It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. AJC Decatur Book Festival, like many large gatherings, is going virtual this year. The event usually brings tens of thousands of visitors to downtown Decatur on Labor Day weekend, but the logistics of putting on this year's edition have been deemed impractical in the midst of a pandemic. Instead, the festival organizers will host a series of 15 virtual events in honor of the Book Fest's 15th anniversary. On this week's podcast, we're going to talk about some of the online offerings you'll find, including the KidNote event. Uh, the AJC's Bo Emerson spoke with KidNote speaker Derek Barnes about his book, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the other things that are happening. Welcome, Bo. Thank you, Shane. How are you doing? So, um, I, I am great, and you? I'm fine. Still healthy. Yeah, that's that's very good. We we all need to maintain that. That's so, right. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why we're going virtual with the book fest this that's year. That's right. That's right. The thing where it's starting out very soon actually. It starts this weekend, right? That's right. September 4th is when it kicks off. And that will it will be going throughout the month. Correct. In fact, uh, uh, into October. Uh, oh, into October even. Okay. I believe that's right. There are uh, th- there are fifteen events, but um, some of those are have sort of multiple um, uh, uh, elements to them. So, uh, and uh, like you said, there's uh, we we talked to uh, Derek Barnes, who is uh, presenting the Kidnote Address, which is the sort of the uh, children's book version of the Keynote Address. Right. But there's also um, going to be a uh, an appearance by Tony Tipton Martin 
who uh, is a double James Beard Award winner, um, she uh, created this uh, wonderful uh, history of African-American cooking uh, uh, in, in the U.S., uh, Jubilee, Recipes from Two Centuries of African-American Cooking, followed up that history book where uh, she not only uh, looked at actual cookbooks that go back um, two centuries, but, but then found some of those uh, recipes to go with them. And I chatted with her for one of our uh, stories, which uh, I'm sure you guys can find. And that's cool. Yeah, stuff going that's on great. That's a, good, that's a good place to note that that for for any of the, the events that are going on, go and check AJC.com. We'll have, um, you know, lists of things that are happening. We have interviews with some of the authors um, and, you know, we'll have all the information you need, including links to DBF and all of those things. So. And the uh, keynote speech is uh, going to be uh, by Jericho Brown. It's not really a speech. It's more like a conversation. He's our Pulitzer Prize-winning poet from Emory, and right. um, there, uh, there's a wealth of other stuff going on, too. Yeah, yeah, and, and I should mention also that some of our, our very own colleagues will be speaking with some of these folks uh, at these virtual events. Um, the, the Jubilee thing, our former co-worker, uh, Susan Puckett, will be speaking with Tony Tipton Martin. Um, and, uh, our current coworker, Jeremy, Jeremy Redman is going to be speaking with, uh, former Surgeon General David Satcher, um, uh, Lagaya Figueres, our dining writer, our dining editor. Um, she's going to be speaking, uh, with Adrian Miller about the president's kitchen cabinet and adventures in barbecue, a history of African-American chefs. So there's so much going on. Um, it, it's it's really cool lineup, despite the fact that we're not going to get to enjoy it in person. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, it, it will be different. There may be a way uh, that uh, maybe an element of it that is even in some ways kind of an improvement because uh, you join these uh, these broadcasts through the Crowdcast uh, application. Right. Through Crowdcast, you can actually ask questions and interact with the people uh, who are doing the presentations, which was doable before. But uh, this this might make it even more flexible and give even more people an, a chance to actually ask questions, which is kind of cool. Right. And, and that also brings up the, you know, uh, the fact that that a lot of people who might not have been able to travel any anyway can can access this stuff so people from all over the world can actually see these things right and now if you want to figure out how to uh use crowdcast you can go to the uh the bookfest uh, website or you can just uh type into google how do i use crowdcast to get into the decatur book festival and it'll right. how to do it cool and you know we'll have that information at ajc.com as well uh lots of other information uh, about the Decatur Book Festival, which starts on September 4th online. But also, uh, I wanted to set up uh, your interview with Derek Barnes, who uh, is delivering the kid note, as you mentioned. Uh, he has a book out. Uh, I, what's, what's the name of the, his new book? His new book is called I Am Every Good Thing. And it's a, a, it's a book that basically says, uh, this is why... Uh, Young black boys uh, need to be uh, uh, appreciated. Why uh, and and how they can be appreciated? Um, it's a, a an antidote 
to uh, a lot of the the sort of the the hate, the distrust, just the uh, uh, the attitudes that you will see. And his uh, his books have um, have gotten uh, a lot of attention, including um, the fact that he is actually part of a display, an exhibition of children's books at the High Museum uh, as well, happening at the same time. It's it's called Picture the Dream, and it's about how children's books uh, tell you uh, about the civil rights movement. And right. his, his uh, I Am Every Good Thing, it's not really about the civil rights movement, but it's about uh, a, a sense of dignity and pride and self-worth that, uh, that everybody needs and that these books... Uh, help with. There's another one that he uh, that he wrote that we talked about called Crown, the an ode to the fresh cut, and it's about getting a haircut, and of course it's about that sort of fraternity at the uh, at the barbershop for African American kids and and grownups, but but it's also about how it feels good to look good. Now, some of that some of us could use uh, you know a little looking good these days. Being, <laughs> you know, we we probably don't keep that up like we should. Well, we're trying. We're trying yeah. if we can. Yeah. But this sounds like a great book. It sounds like a, you know a, a great presentation too, and and I'm sure that they'll talk about um, a lot of these things uh, at the event. That the Derek Barnes event actually happens on September 5th, right? Um, and that's in the morning of September 5th at 10 a.m. Uh, but first, uh, let's hear uh, your interview with Derek Barnes, and we appreciate you bringing that to us. Derek Barnes, you are the uh, Kid Note uh, uh, Center of Attention at the AJC Decatur Book Fest this year, and um, but you're going to be doing it online, not in person. Um, now, the fact that it's raining right now, and it seems to have rained every single day, might make that a more pleasant option since uh, rain is not good for outdoor Kid Note occasions, but... <laughs> We're glad to have you here one way or the other. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Well, the uh, you are going to be talking uh, about uh, a couple of your different books. Uh, mm-hmm. I Am Every Good Thing, I think, is the, is the latest. Is that correct? Yes, I Am Every Good Thing. Uh, comes out September the 1st. And d- describe that to us. Uh, I, am, I Am Every Good Thing. Uh, I, I wrote this manuscript. It started as a poem back in way back in 2014, man. Um, after Trayvon Martin was uh, murdered uh, in Florida, and then I just put it down. I picked it back up again when um, Mike Brown was uh, uh, killed, and then Tamir Rice was murdered in Cleveland. And uh, it seems like every time an unarmed uh, black boy was murdered, there was created this uh, narrative um, that wanted to show him as being like a bad seed, or you know maybe he had marijuana on him, or maybe he was he was suspended from school, just all in hopes of justifying the murder of a innocent child, really. And um, it all came to a head in 2018 when I saw a ad from a, a large clothing company, and they had a black boy with a green hoodie on that 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 read the coolest monkey in the jungle. 
And so I finished the poem and it's just it's just a it's just a series of affirmations that basically say it challenges all these negative stereotypes that have long existed in this country about black boys and black men that you don't get to define who we are. We say who we are, you know. And, and this uh, this comes from a, a very dark place, but the but the book itself is a bright, uh, optimistic, happy uh, celebration. Yeah, yeah, and and also just I, I think it's I think it's filled with joy. I think it's filled with uh, power. You know, uh, just to constantly remind our sons of where they come from, who they are, and. Um, you know, we we fill our sons with the highest expectations that we possibly can. And, you know, the book is for them. The book is for the black and brown boys all over the planet. But it's also for people who 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 may not be fortunate enough to have black or brown boys in their immediate lives, that you get a chance to see that your nine year old son, the way you see your nine year old baby is the same way that we see our sons. You know, I have a 19 year old who's my eldest boy. And I, I still see him as my baby sometimes, even though he's he's a young man. And I know that um, many parents see their children that way. And the, the it should it uh, we should mention here that you write uh, books for children. They're they're books for children and families, so the yes. parents them too. But mm-hmm. uh, all uh, the 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 great track for uh, young readers uh, at the at the book festival. Uh, has has always paid attention uh, to these children, um, it, uh, and it's uh, you are paying attention to the black and brown children in that track, which is uh, perhaps something that we haven't done as much as we should. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, I get this question all the time: which books did I read when I was growing up? And I was hard pressed to find any books with a black boy on the cover, or that was. The protagonist of the story that wasn't a basketball player that didn't live in the projects that wasn't a runaway slave you know and i really grew up reading the uh, amazing literature of steveland uh morris wonder you know i'm i'm a huge stevie wonder fan <laughs> I, I grew up in the late 70s and the early 80s and um i read it's the line the key of, of life <laughs> yeah oh man you know i i um I read the liner notes and all the albums of, you know, Earth, Wind and Fire and Donny Hathaway. And I remember copying down those lyrics and just how they jumped off the page at me, man, just being very um, colorful and, and just having a lot of movement. You know, I wanted to I wanted to write like that, you know. And so a lot of my background comes from R&B, soul, uh, hip hop. Um, so I have a very rhythmic writing style. And uh, that might be why you find John Coltrane uh, to be an inspiration also. He is he is my key inspiration in regards to artists, man. I'm so fascinated by him. Um, just jazz musicians, period. Being able to tell a story without using words is amazing to somebody who uses words to tell stories. But the way he infused culture and spirituality which I think most artists should do, you know, and uh, especially black artists in this country. You have an obligation to your people to create artwork that uplifts and inspires. And he was the first artist that um, I encountered that did that beautifully. Now, your books are going to be also featured at the High Museum of Art in uh, 
an exhibit that uh, is uh, taking place right now, uh, Picture the Dream. And uh, the uh, pretty much most of those uh, books have to do with talking to children about the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and sort of telling them that history. But um, Crown, for example, which is one of your books about uh, the, the benefit of a fresh cut, um, and I've, te- I've told the title wrong. You tell it right, if you would. <laughs> no, no, I think you got it. It's, it's a Crown, an ode to the fresh cut. An ode to the fresh cut. And it's it's not about the civil rights movement, but it's about it's about uh, black boys, and it's about why they need to value themselves and why the uh, how they do. and And uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I um, I wrote. You know, Crown is it takes place in a barber shop, and there have been other books, uh, children's books, that centered around that whole barber shop experience, but. I really want to focus on the subject, which is the boy getting the haircut. And the book isn't really about a haircut at all, but it's about how he sees himself and how when he when he goes out into the world after getting this fresh cut, his his value is somehow raised. His view of himself is somehow heightened. And, um, it, you know, kind of similar to the theme of I am every good thing that, you know, if you see yourself as someone that is worthy of, of of love and respect and joy, then hopefully the world will treat you the same way. And so, uh, man, I, I don't know if you've seen the cover, but that's 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 one of my sons, one of the Mighty Barnes brothers, on the cover, and his help. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, Gordon 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 C. James is the illustrator. He is an amazing artist, and um, he did a wonderful job. And now describe describe that boy's face as he's looking out at you from the cover of that book. Man, I, I know kids don't kids don't use swagger anymore, but I I was uh, that is, that is an actual photo of of Silas, which is my thirteen year old, and uh, you know I, I I I try to instill as much confidence in, in my boys my boys as possible, and uh, which can come off as being arrogant, but I wanted that swagger on that picture. He was on his way to school to take this math test that he had studied real hard for. And he knew he was going to get an A. He actually did get an A. But when I took that shot, it was that look in his eyes and in his face like, I got this. And so that's what I I, I wanted to embody throughout the whole book is just that confidence that I'm going to take on whatever the world throws at me, you know? Now, having a, a house with four boys in it, uh, means that occasionally when you need to write, you uh, you – beat a hasty retreat to an unusual uh, writing spot. You want to talk about that? I have a, I have an office. Uh, it's called Suite 116. That was, that was the name of my, the last dorm that I lived in when I was in college. And so that's what I named my company, Suite 116. But now that the, all the kids are learning, you know, virtually, uh, it's been kind of a challenge having them all here. Even my college student is back. So we uh, bought up the Airbnb next door for a whole month. And so everybody gets up in the morning and they, they get their laptops, get their Chromebooks and their backpacks like they're actually going to school and they just go next door. And it's been a blessing for me, man, to have them out of the house. I love them, but I can't get any work done during the day, man, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the clear clack of uh, other uh, keyboards that aren't mine, you know. Now, what about when you're occasionally in your car taking a a, a brief respite from the from the crowd down there? 
it, it per our per our last conversation, right? Yes, sir. Man, I sometimes I go up to the local BP. I go up to the local gas station. They have free Wi-Fi, so I park. I go in and get my drink of choice, which is a Diet Mountain Dew, and I get a I get a liter <laughs> of water, and I post up in the. I, I let them know that I'm going to be there, and I, I I post up there for like an hour. And uh, write in the car, man. You write wherever you can. You get it wherever you can, you know? <laughs> well, the, the, uh, uh, they probably are happy to have you there. You're a regular customer. And, yes. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, now, I was curious about you're going to be uh, interacting with, with some other folks in the, in the course of the, uh, 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 of the book festival. Who, who are you looking forward to talking to? You know, I'm not really sure. Um, I, have, I haven't, I haven't looked at the, uh, looked at the roster yet. But man, I'm always open to meeting other writers and other illustrators. I'm, I'm just constantly trying to grow and get better. I just turned 45 last week, man, and I, I'm still constantly trying to grow. I, I try to infuse other people's uh, styles and kind of fuse it into my own, and hopefully create something better. But yeah, I always love meeting other writers, you know, just to kind of pick their brains and uh, see the way they think. And most importantly, the way they see the world, you know, that's important to me. You know, it's it's interesting, the uh, uh, the exhibit at the High Museum, uh, uh, the first time uh, that the High uh, gave itself over to uh, 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 devoted a full exhibit to a children's book illustrator it was for uh, Jerry Pinckney. Um, and. Uh, the uh, it, it was, um, uh, you know, a, a author of, of color who mm-hmm. kind of drew uh, the, the museum itself into a longstanding commitment to uh, featuring uh, children's books and an ongoing relationship with uh, the, the, um, the, the Children's Book Museum uh, up in Massachusetts um, by that famous author whose name I've forgotten <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, Jerry, uh, Jerry uh, Pinckney, right? Jerry Pinckney, and yeah. and uh, the uh, uh, so now they now they've done this um, uh, three or four times. Uh, had sort of e- extensive uh, uh, exhibits uh, of children's book authors, and mm-hmm. the the um, I, I, I'm curious uh, who that you know that it's going to be there that has been an influence. Well, I hope that Jerry Pinckney is there because he's. He's one of the goats, you know, one of the greatest of all time. And greatest our, of all time. Yeah, in our in our industry, uh, I had a I had I had the I had the blessing of meeting him last last year at the Book Expo um, in New York. Uh, he was a uh, I, I was on the panel, and and he's been in the business over forty years now, you know, and uh, just a, a brilliant illustrator, and he was a guest panelists he wasn't even supposed to be on the panel and he entered the room and he was making his way towards the stage and i was like man that's jerry pinkney i can't wait to introduce myself to him and we locked eyes and he said derrick barnes it just blew me away man i was like jerry pinkney knows my name and just a just a very down-to-earth sweet man and it was just a, a privilege and an honor to meet him man well uh do you know uh which day your um uh uh, your online appearance is going to happen because I would love to mention that right now. Man, I don't even remember what I ate for dinner last night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to find out. <laughs> we will add that in the intro to this. Yeah. But, 
I tell you, Eric Barnes, I thank you very much for taking time with us. Um, thank you, Bo. I appreciate pleasure you. Pleasure talking to you now, and uh, I hope to get a chance to do it again. Yes, and, sir. Uh, I, you are every good thing. Thank you, brother. So are you. There's nothing normal about our new normal, but AJC.com is the same trusted source you've always had, and we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience, and the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. There's one thing that the science on COVID-19 seems to agree on. Outdoors is safer. So this fall, the Atlanta Opera is going al fresco. The Opera Company announced that instead of planned performances of Madame Butterfly and a festival of Puccini's work, they'll offer a completely changed program of shorter operas with casts of eight members or less and ten-person orchestras. And it's all happening in an open-air tent at Oglethorpe University's baseball field. The AJC's Bo Emerson has the story, so head to AJC.com to get all the details on the Atlanta Opera's creative response to the pandemic. October will mark a year since the Zac Brown Band last toured. The octet was a few dates into its spring tour when the coronavirus pandemic caused life to skid to a stop. Melissa Ruggieri checks in with a couple of the band members to find out what they've been up to, including a look behind the scenes at the remote recording of two new songs they released this summer. Go to AJC.com to read Melissa's interview with Jimmy Demartini and Coy Bowles. You'll also find all of her mic check series of interviews with Georgia musicians, where they talk about how they're weathering the pandemic on the Atlanta Music Scene blog. Need a little nostalgia? Take a look at our flashback photos at AJC.com slash flashback. My colleague Mandy Albright and I compile most of these galleries from our archive with photos of Atlanta and Georgia dating back to the end of the 19th century. My latest gallery explores Athens and the University of Georgia through the years, while Mandy's most recent work looks at the month of September in Georgia from the 1940s to the 1980s. See all of our flashback photos at AJC.com flashback. Black Restaurant Week Atlanta is celebrating its fifth year with a focus on takeout and delivery. The series of events under the umbrella of Black Restaurant Week runs September 4th through the 13th. Atlanta is just one of eight cities participating in the event. The AJC's dining team has all the details, along with a list of more than 300 Black-owned restaurants, bars, coffee shops, and food businesses in Metro Atlanta. Get all the info on the Atlanta Restaurant Scene blog at AJC.com. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felician. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guen. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.